1: Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing 6th of June 2022. This is recorded uh, a long way ahead because obviously the Queen's Jubilee is over Wednesday, Thursday this week. So our market might not be trading, but other parts of the world will be. So that will be quite interesting to see exactly where we start on Monday morning. If I had to follow my instinct, following an £11.75 drop yesterday, I would suggest that today, the Wednesday, is going to consolidate a bit, possibly. But I think with rain coming through large slices of Europe, the sentiment remains bearish, and the price dropping below £300 at our next farm for November, it is kind of going to get one or two people to start thinking about, oh, maybe I do need to do some thinking and make some trades. Let's start with this week's trading. It has been a car crash for prices We've predicted this in the sense of sentiment has suddenly decided that £300 a ton is a good value for wheat and therefore people have been trading it. I think it's wise. The rain, although not enough in lots of cases, has kind of holding crops on. And the forecast for the weekend, there should be a decent amount of rain in East Anglia. I know that the north of England and Scotland have had more than enough rain and they've got very good looking crops. Our crops look okay to good, but as I say, some of them are just holding on in places. So with that, I think, as I say, the mood is changing. The consumers seem more relaxed. They're not going to buy it if they see it coming down, and they're just going to keep out of the market. And that is very much what's prevalent at the moment, a big lack of buyers. And that's the way it's going to be from now on, until the next time there's a big lack of sellers again. I'll go through some values for you. Firstly, old crop wheat is now sub £300 a tonne. There is an early harvest coming. We predicted that. I do think the consumers have got some stuff to buy in July. And I do think probably you'll end up with people bidding round about £300 a tonne to buy that remaining tonnage. So I think it's kind of down at a place where it's going to be reasonably happy. And on old crop feed, barley it's had it. There isn't a buyer in sight. Harvest is looming and there's more than enough that's been traded recently. There are some special little bits and pieces in wheat, soft wheat is quite hard to find if you've got some really good soft wheat and there's one or two buyers around for that and they can't seem to source it so you might have something a little bit valuable there so play a little hard to get on that one if you feel like it. Milling wheat, I think that's about, do you know, I don't know, it's about 40 quid premium probably, someone will tell me off, I don't how, <laughs> much, how much I care about that one, sorry David. We saw everybody at the bourse last week, which was great. And it's always lovely to see David Wright, our favourite Miller. And we had our usual banter at that. But yeah, I would say everybody in the industry looks reasonably well and healthy. Yeah, it's a very, very good thing to have all of the people that you kind of rub shoulders with face to face. There's nothing quite like sizing each other up. It was very, very happy return to seeing each other. So moving on to new crop new crop values as i say have taken a smash yesterday and have been drifting all this week the current value for november x farm is 296 so you can get 300 for about march x farm if you're still looking for 300 as your benchmark store members probably 304 for november 310 for may Feed barley has taken, that really is a tough one at the moment. There's no buyers of fob. There's been plenty of rain in Spain. They're getting towards or into their harvest. So there's an abundance of supply down there. We have no buyers of fob to give anyone a decent price. So it's kind of running away from us a bit. I'm regretting not having sold something on that. And I'm trying, have been trying to sell some. I would put values for harvest somewhere around about 270, 275, something like that which is 20 quid off the wheat price, so it's kind of still holding that sort of discount, and I think it will for the short term malting barley prices i would be reluctant to sell heavily into malting barley as a specific quality we don't know what the dry period did to the nitrogens on the winter barleys and we don't know how well the spring barleys are going to do within this i mean we're optimistically hoping for a decent rains in the next few days which should set the crop and should give us a half decent certainly spring barley crop that's big and bold but what we don't know is whether there's going to be a heat wave in late june just kind of shriveling the whole thing up again So I'm reluctant to commit to quality on that. If you have to hedge something, maybe put a feed or put a base in on the basis of feed wheat futures. Yeah, it's 300 and something pounds a tonne, but a little unclear. And something I would be reluctant to absolutely commit myself to a 1.5 nitrogen, if you like. I think that's too risky. Which leads on to, obviously, rape prices, harvest 6.70, still really good prices. I think at the moment that looks like the crop of the year. It didn't get the damage last autumn, sweeping across the board, and I think it's going to be a decent crop. So very, very good price on historical terms, and yeah, maybe some of that needs to be traded. I would just put that out there. Those are serious profit margins, I think, for rape growers. Although it isn't over 700, which is what it was at one point, so... And as we were discussing in the office this morning, if, if we do any farm talks in the next two years, we're gonna draw a picture of this last year's trading and show the line way down there at one hundred and seventy where it started and the price picking up and up and up and up and up, going to three hundred and fifty or whatever it was, and then coming down to three hundred again, and every farmer telling you that they've missed out, they've lost money. And the reality is they're looking at the last two inches of the map versus the full sort of, you know, pageful and they're only judging against the top and telling everyone they've lost money by the price coming down. Just consciously, guys, have that in your head. You've not lost, you've won. It's where you peg your victory in. Securing a European place, if you put a football analogy on it. So with that, we've got a very short follow-up on our farm chat, which is actually our anonymous farm agricultural advisor who incensed one of my listeners, he said it was nothing worse than backyard gossip, you know, tittle tattle and not worth anything if no one's going to put their name on it. However, overwhelmingly, there was a very, very positive response, predominantly from farmers, saying that in the case of one guy, it's like he's inside my head saying all the things I want to say. So, how about that? So, we have a final question which I asked him, which we'd done after we'd turned off and we started having a conversation about Sri Lanka and then sugar beet. So, enjoy that. I hope you've enjoyed your slightly wet and very grain filling platinum Jubilee weekend. God save the Queen. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours.
0: Advertising on this podcast works. Yeah Grain Central Grain Store is delighted to announce that all available storage capacity has now been sold. If you want sales and success, please contact East Coast Design Studio on 01603 728 978.
1: Right, just for those who enjoyed the conversation I had with my anonymous ag advisor... I thought of one final question that would be worth having a conversation about to tip on the end of one of my podcasts in the future. So what are your thoughts about the Sri Lanka situation? You know, the tree huggers and rewilders who think that the world is ruined because everyone's trying to produce food. The Prime Minister was on television saying they've got no more rupees or dollars in the bank. If people have got any money, can they go to bank to put it in so the bank's got some money? <laughs> And the dynamic of the report that was on Sky News this morning was something to the effect of, if you go outside the capital, there was no crops being planted because the government had banned fertilisers and synthetic chemicals. What's your message to the tree hookers, vegans, and the world could be farmed and everyone could be fed on an organic basis?
2: Well, I think it's been well documented that if we relied on organic farming two-thirds of the population will starve. That's been acknowledged by people on both sides of the argument. I don't think any serious person believes that is a possibility.
1: But if you get someone who's incredibly emotive about that subject, you know, they get very passionate and explain that, you know, you don't need cows, you don't need synthetic (laughs) fertiliser, you don't... It's
2: self-indulgence, do you think so? Yes, I do. They're just letting us all know just how virtuous they are. There are a few people who are convinced that being a vegan is going to save the planet. It isn't, because I imagine the food miles your food travels is worse than if you had a meat-based diet consuming meat that was produced in the UK. We cannot sustain the population we have by organic farming, and that is pretty much universally agreed. The argument against that, or the argument is you need people at the other end, at the extreme end of the spectrum to get any kind of movement so those who advocate organic farming only they know they won't get it but the direction of travel will be in their direction
1: and within farming sustainable farming or whatever the phrase that people use is you need to have animals don't you so the vegan society that's the reason why the world is polluted etc the answer to their question is don't kill any more cows it's really cruel what happens to cows if you don't kill them
2: They'll die,
1: and the death they have will be long and, and painful,
2: slow, miserable. Yeah, yeah. starvation. Knee,
1: knee yeah. stops working. Teeth yeah. get broken. Mm-hmm. So at some point you have to kill them anyway. Yep. Yeah. So result's exactly the same. But let's just say that we get someone, you know, popular politicians get into power. Let's just say hundred years from now, someone really, really, extremely vegan has proven. At some point, and everyone votes for them. And they say, right, no more this, no more cows. We can use oat milk. Right, so all cows die out. That would be a bit of a bad moment, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be a great day, would it? Well, only if they found out they were wrong after the last Mm. cow had died. You know, you can't say that. But in the end, I think the argument, when someone's got someone filming on the land calling them cruel, I think they need to turn around and say, so you, Mr Vegan, want the cows to die a long, lingering, slow, painful death, Mm. do you? How cruel is that? Then their reply would be, just
2: these ones, there won't be any more. This suffering will end. Whereas if you carry on farming them,
1: the suffering will go on forever. Okay. That's a fair point, isn't it? Mm. Gosh, that's a good way to look at it. Mm. But the whole dynamic of farming would be undermined by the fact you haven't got something grazing, you, you just end up well, with uh, continual plant growth. A land that's only suitable for grazing,
2: what else are you going to do with it? We can't digest grass as mm. humans. The only way we can turn it into energy is through ruminants. Mm. So what else are we going to do with this grass? And it's good for wildlife. The cows eat the grass, passes through them, that attracts insects, that in turn attracts birds. Mm. So they are an essential part of the ecosystem. There won't be the migrating birds if there's no livestock.
1: Well, there's going to be not very many migrating birds trying to eat sugar beet tops at the moment next year, is there? Well, that's very true. Because sugar beet is in a bit of uh, financial trouble yes. relative to these fabulous cereal and oil mm. prices. Yes, aren't they? Do you think there'll be a revolution in that one? Will people move away? Is this the moment?
2: I think there might be a certain carrot dangled in front of us to keep us there. Does that mean £40 a tonne? Something like that.
1: I think it's going to have to be £40 a tonne. The irony being, it's such a shame it has to be £40 a tonne. It has to happen only because...
2: They've been forced to do it because nobody will grow anything they've been getting away with it because other margins were lower so it just goes to show that the beet price is nothing to do with the sugar price
1: yeah exactly the point is that only when they're confronted with the reality of you ain't going to get any because you screwed into the floor pal and that infuriates me again from a trading perspective farmers don't look at that and go Hang on a minute, isn't it miraculous that the price of sugar beet went up when the fertiliser price went up? Just enough for me to produce sugar again.
2: Yeah, they announced a new price for this year, 29 quid. Mm. However, any outstanding contracts, which still had a term to run, they were remaining at the old price, twenty twenty one pounds And then suddenly this letter arrives, mm. we'll pay it doesn't matter what contracts you've got, we'll pay you £29 pounds for everything. And I think yesterday they announced that the seed there was a further delay with no cost penalty on seed payment. They're moving in the right direction because they know that people aren't going to grow.
1: You know, you can sell wheat for three hundred pounds a ton, you can sell barley for three hundred pounds a ton, you can sell all seed rape for seven hundred pounds a ton, mm. and sugar beet. Sugar beet are showing the worst the middle, margin by country in mile. the middle of January, still in the field, and there's a rain forever yeah. going on, and the, the season's going to go on till the end of March again. It doesn't work, does it? No and counting sugar beet for basically the cost of the haulage must be a thing of the past. Yes. It's been a race to the
2: bottom, sugar beet haulage has, for a while now, and nobody's making any money in it. More and more people are pulling out of it.
1: Well oh the haulage was screwed. By it was the...
2: absolutely screwed over. You, they won a few quid for a few years, but...
1: Yeah, that was a big, bad mistake. Yeah. Undermining the haulage what... was greedy and foolish. So whoever yeah. had that idea in Associated British Foods needs to sack because they really have screwed that particular mm-hmm. one up. And lots of farmers got rid of their lorries. And to be brutally frank, sometimes some of the cheapest haulage was the farmers who had a lorry sitting there doing bugger all for the last couple of weeks of the time it was taxed. You know, so yeah, that was a ola.
2: Yeah, that was an absolute howler.
1: But a very good example of farmers being in a very strong position. Yes. So you should say, no, 45. Mm, We
2: should do. I suspect that the growers will appease. There'll be enough weakness, growers thinking... "Mm." Got to grow some beets. I've got no other break crop. What else can? Yeah, I no. Do? So there's a place and for the farmer. Cereals better. There's but a. It's, I
1: need the beet. It's great that sugar is produced in this country, and we're not just relying on a third country. Because if again, if we lose it, so there is an important balance within that. But it does infuriate me sometimes that the farmers are infer that there's been an incredible generosity on the part of someone when they're paying more money. Believe there's me, there's no generosity. It's it's, <laughs> it's necessary. They wouldn't have yeah. got it. They <laughs> would not have got those
2: factories yeah. would be empty. It's yeah. not their largesse, yes, it's necessity. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that again. Well, thank you very much, Andrew. Cheers. It's been a delight.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released. And follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.